Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Bless the Lord. Are you ready for the word today? Hey, take your Bible, hold it high in the air, whether it's in digital form or book form today, and let's declare this. Say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed. Therefore, I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer. Therefore, I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart. I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word, and I confess this word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now take that same Bible and turn with me to the book of of Genesis all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, we're going to begin reading in verse verse 1, reading out the New Living Translation. A severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. Abraham is now dead. Isaac is the main character in the biblical narrative. And there's a famine taking place. It's not a new famine. It's not something that's never happened before. They've walked through difficult moments in the past. How many know that There's the ebb and flow of life. Sometimes things are really good, and other times things can be a real challenge. Sometimes when we're walking through challenging moments, we think as if it has never happened this way before. But what we notice from our passage is this was another famine similar to that that Abraham walked through many years before. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and to your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all the lands that I have declared. And I will do this because Abraham Listen to me and obeyed my requirements, my commands, decrees, and instructions. Notice verse 6. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. 
Notice in your notes, the first thing we want to talk about is there is a severe famine that is happening. What we learn from our passage is that it has struck the land of Israel, as has happened before in Abraham's time. So, so Isaac is on the move. Now, Palestine was subject to drought and famine. The narrative says this, just like his father before him, Isaac pulled up stakes with the intention of going down into Egypt. Possibly he was headed to Egypt because of the water source, the Nile River. Now, let's talk just for a moment about famines. A famine is a time of drought. A famine leads to, to lack. And a, a famine leads to a time of financial uncertainty, and, and often it brings hardship. In biblical times, it was not uncommon for those who made their living in agricultural to make moves and search a relief whenever there was a famine. Now, what we know about famines in the word of God is this. The Lord often manifested his power in the midst of lack. Write that word manifested. The Lord often manifested his power in the midst of the lack. And in this situation was going to be no different. And I want to encourage you today, you might be walking through what you feel like is a spiritual famine. You may be walking through some tough moments, but I believe God's going to manifest his power, going to manifest his presence like never before. And it says, Isaac, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Now, as I read this passage, what I, what, I, what, I, what I understand is this. It was while Isaac was walking through a famine that the promise of the Lord came to him. In the middle of the drought, the Lord spoke. In the middle of the hardship, the Lord revealed himself. In the middle of the difficulty, Isaac had a revelation of who his God really is. And my hope and my prayer today is as the church is walking in the midst of the famine that is surrounding us, is that we'll have a manifestation of his glory, that we'll have revelation of who our God is. Write this, even though you may be walking through a famine, God can still reveal himself to you. How many are open to God's revelation in your life? You want God to reveal himself to you. Now, notice what the Lord said to, to Isaac. He said, I will be with you. Now, there's no greater promise than the Lord's presence to be with us. You might be in a trial, but hear me, the Lord is with you. You may be experiencing a famine, but the Lord said, I will be with you. You may be going through a season that is tough, setback after setback, but hear me, God said, I will be with you. And you may look around and say, everything's going well. I couldn't be happier, but guess what? God is still with you. You, with you. Isaac had watched his father be blessed by God. 
Isaac had been a witness to all that God had done for Abraham, his father. No doubt, Isaac had heard his father, Abraham, talk about his encounters with God. Theologians tell us that that they believe that that Abraham had been dead for about five years. And about five years after the death of Abraham, a famine hits. Let me tell you what's different about this. Isaac had to have an encounter for himself. And this thought is the genesis of today's sermon. Our kids, the next generation, need to have an encounter with God. They need to feel his anointing. They need to know his uh, provision. When they have tasted and seen for themselves, then the allure of the world will not be so strong. What our responsibility is, is to create the atmosphere in the house of God for them to encounter the presence of God. You know, it's easy for us to say the next generation needs to encounter God, but what are we going to do to create the atmosphere for them to have an experience with the Lord? Hear me, the pull of the world is strong, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit is even greater. And when we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good when he's touched our heart then no allure of the world can take us we have a responsibility to experience God for ourselves so the next generation can see the power of God displayed and they'll say I want to know the God of my father the God of my mother, the God of my aunts, the God of my uncles, the God of my grandparents, because he helped them through the famine, and I know he'll help me through the famine. I appreciate what my parents had. I appreciate what my father experienced. I'm thankful for the life that they live, but I had to have a revelation for myself. I had to have an encounter for me. It's a new day, a new famine, and I needed to know that God was going to be my provider. I appreciate all the things that I have experienced. I appreciate how the Lord has met me in my prayer time, but hear me, my encounter will not get my kids through the famine that they're are going to experience. They have to have an encounter themselves. So my prayer today is that the church of Jesus Christ will have an encounter of the presence of God like never before. He said, I will be with you. Notice the promise in the middle of the famine. He said, I will bless you. The promise is, even though there's a famine going on, even though there is lack of water and resources, even though there is hardship all around, I will bless you. (laughs) He's going to give you something the world cannot provide. Church, we have the promise that God is going to help us. God is going to bless us. God's going to provide for us. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly but the promise was going to require something of Isaac the promise required two things 
obedience to what God desires. Obedience to his commands. See, obedience is always essential to experiencing the blessing of the Lord. The Lord said, do not go down to Egypt. Now, this is different than when his father went to Egypt when the famine hit before. Abraham went down to Egypt, and undoubtedly, this is where Isaac was headed, and so the Lord interrupted his plans. And how many know we need God to interrupt our plans sometimes? <laughs> we need God to manifest himself in specific ways during the famine we walk through. And the Lord told Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. So the command to forego going down to Egypt was a substantial test of Isaac's faith because the famine was regional and it included where he was living in Gerar. And how many know God's economy is different? His ways are higher than our ways. Isaac is called the son of promise. Let me tell you something. The son of promise was always to live in the land of promise. <laughs> you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're children of uh, the promise, and we're to live in the realm of uh, the promise. See, the son, Isaac, the son of promise, was to live in the land uh, of uh, promise. He was not to go to Egypt to get his supply. He was to trust God in the middle of the drought. He was to trust God in the middle of the famine. And I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to some folk today, telling you to trust God where you are. Trust God in the middle of what you're walking through. Trust God because the Lord is going to be your help. He is going to be your guide. And when you get to the other side, you'll know that you know that you know. It was God and not your plans. It was God and not your own wisdom. It was God and him alone. Notice the other thing. Isaac was to obey, but he was also to live as a foreigner in this land. He was called to live as an alien devoid of legal status and totally dependent on the goodwill of a worldly community. And as if he did, God said that he would bless him and he would be with him. God's word was explicit. Look at verse 3. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. As Isaac is having this experience with the Lord, God sets his father Abraham as an example before him. Look at verse 5. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. Notice what Isaac did. Write this. Isaac stayed. Sometimes the best thing you can do is simply be still. Sometimes the best thing you can do is simply stay. Stay where God has planted you. Stay where God has determined to bless you. Stay where God has placed you. The safest place for Isaac to weather the storm was right in the middle of the storm. Woo 
Why? Because God told him to stay. And sometimes the safest place you can be is right there in the middle of that storm because God has planted you there. Quit looking for an escape route. Quit looking for Egypt to help you and begin to lift up your eyes from where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Rely upon him. Trust in him and he will bring you through. The safest place for you might be in the middle of the storm. It might be right where you are. The reason is, is because God said so. God is not finished yet. God is not through yet. Look at your neighbor and say, God is not finished. He told Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. So Isaac stayed. But he didn't stay in just a passive state. It brings us to our second thought is this. Isaac began to plant. He planted. When Isaac planted his crops, verse 12, that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. (laughs) The Lord blessed blessed him. He became very rich and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. And I think what you need to know is this, there is still work to do. When Isaac planted his crops that year, it's important plant where God has called you. And my observation is this, even though Isaac had the promise of God's presence and the promise of God's blessing, he still had to put seed in the ground. He still had to work. He still had to till the land. He still had to farm. God honors our efforts. God honors our hard work. He still had to put seed in the ground. And it's important that you and I realize we have the promise of his blessing, uh, but he's not called you to live a passive life. He's called you to trust him and walk a life of obedience. He's called you to plant seed where you are. Wow. Look at your notes. Write this. A great question to ask ourselves today is this. What seed am I putting in the ground? What seed am I putting in the ground? If you want to harvest, you still have to plant seed. Some may be thinking, well, I don't have a harvest. Have you put a seed in the ground? Even when things don't look good. Even when things do not seem to add up, even when things do not seem to be going your way, put seed in the ground. Be kind, be generous, be faith-filled. Let me tell you what happens. Why is seed so important? Why is it important to put seed in the ground? Because you give opportunity for God to work in your life. You give God something to work with. God can work with seed in the ground. 
John's gospel records the words of Jesus. John 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. See, that seed in your hand abides by itself. But the moment you release that seed, the moment you, 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 you put that seed in the ground, a chemical reaction begins to take place. You bury that seed in the ground underneath that dirt, in that cold dirt, that hole. You bury it. You even forget about it because you got seed in the ground. You can't see it. But after a little while, God begins to work. After a little while that seed begins to sprout and growth begins to happen and that's the economy of God when you put seed in the ground you give opportunity for the Lord to work and move in your life but as long as you hold the seed to yourself there's potential but it'll never be realized give God something to work with cast your bread upon the water Put your seed, plant it where God has planted you. Verse 12 says, he planted crops that year. He harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. There's an intimate connection between diligence and prosperity. Tell me my God isn't good. The blessing is directly related to the promise given earlier in the chapter. Look at the goodness of God. Look at the favor of God. And church, I want to remind you that there is a good harvest in your future. I believe the Lord is going to give you some a hundred times more than you planted. So what are you waiting on? Get seed in the ground. Your actions today matter. Now, I think this is very important. Isaac and his neighbors had access to the same soil. They depended on the same sunshine and rain. But Isaac's harvests were greater than theirs. And his flocks and his herds multiplied more abundantly. What was the secret? God. God kept his promise. And he blessed Isaac. Let me tell you what you have that others in the world don't have. You got the favor of God on you. You got the blessings of God. You are are a son and a daughter of the Most High. God has turned his face toward you. So as you trust him, when everything around you is tough, hard, and difficult, as you put seed in the ground, God is going to guard the harvest, and he's going to bring it forth a hundred times. Can somebody say amen? amen? But hear me, not everybody will be happy. Notice the last part of verse 14. The servants, God multiplied all these things. The Philistines became jealous of him. The Philistines were not happy. They became jealous. Church, there will always be a Philistine out there somewhere. There will always be a Philistine who was jealous. And they'll do their best to put you down. Some will even try to sabotage what God is doing in your life. But you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on the promise. You keep walking in obedience. And you keep putting seed in the ground. 
God will take care of the Philistines. <laughs> Did you hear me? God will take care of the Philistines. Trust him. The third thing is this. Keep moving forward. Go down to verse 15. Genesis 26. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. <laughs> they were jealous. They were upset. They didn't like what was happening. They didn't like how Isaac was being blessed. So they filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. Now, remember, it's a famine. Well represents water. It represents that which helps you survive. Water is precious. They're in the famine. It's precious. It's a commodity. They have to have it. And the enemy fills up the well with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to, to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug. This is important. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Whatever season you're in, there's a new level of attack. The Philistines were upset and jealous at the blessings of Isaac, that they took their attacks to a new level. That's just how the enemy works. He's always looking to increase his attack. To take it to a new level. When he does not defeat you at one level, he will seek to destroy you at another level. So the Philistines filled the wells with dirt. Verse 17 says, so Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley where, the, where he set up tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. And he restored the names Abraham had given them. This is important. He reopened the wells his father had dug. Looking at Isaac's experience from a spiritual point of view, I believe you and I can learn a very important lesson. In the Bible, wells sometimes symbolize blessings from the hand of the Lord. The church keeps looking for something new. When all we need to do is dig again the old wells of spiritual life that God's people have depended on from the beginning. These wells are the word of God, prayer, worship, faith, and the power of the spirit, sacrifice and service. Wells that we've allowed the enemy to fill up. And whenever there's been a revival of spiritual power in the history of the church, it's been because somebody somewhere had begun again to dig the old wells that God had given to his church before. I want to implore us, let's redig the wells of our fathers. Let's redig the well of prayer and fasting, believing and trusting, of sacrifice and service. Let's redig the well of the word of God in our life. May we be a Christocentric church, a Bible believing church, redigging the wells of our fathers are so important. 
But the enemy wasn't satisfied. He came, brought up contention. What did Isaac do? They just dug some more. Dig more. Keep digging. Isaac's servants also dug in the Goar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But when the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed that spring, this is our water, they said they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. They moved and dug another well, but again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. He kept digging. There was opposition. The Philistines were trying to destroy what was happening, but Isaac didn't stop until the Lord made enough space for them. Let me give you a spiritual lesson. When hardship comes, be consistent. When hardship comes, keep digging wells. Keep doing the basics. Word, worship, obedience. God will bring you to a large place. A place of breakthrough. Don't give up. Just because God's blessing you, just because God is doing great things in your life doesn't mean the enemy's going to sit back. Matter of fact, they're going to become jealous. The Philistines around you are going to try to sabotage what God is doing. Don't give too much attention to the Philistines. Notice what Isaac did. He just moved over and went and dug another well. He knew his God was enough. He knew that his God would provide more than enough. And he got to the place where he said there was enough room. And then in verse 23, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the Lord your God, the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants. They will become great, a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. And they dug another well. I want to remind you, Isaac was living through a famine, but he found favor with God. And the favor of God brought the blessings of God. He planted even in a famine, and he was blessed a hundred times over. He reopened the well of his father Abraham and dug new wells. He didn't stop there. When he had a revelation of who God was, he built an altar. An altar signifies a place of worship. An altar signifies a place of sacrifice. Something has to die on the altar. Is it self-ambition? Is it how you thought things ought to be and should be? What needs to die on the altar? in order for you to worship God in spirit and in truth. Church, during this season, 
Above all, make sure to build altars in your life. Worship the giver of life. Worship the restorer of life. I love verse 25. Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. Worshiped the Lord. In the middle of the famine, the middle of everything going on, in the middle of the Philistines trying to sabotage, in the middle of him having to build one well after another, after another, after another, he built an altar and he worshiped the Lord. It's important that no matter what you walk through, no matter how the Philistines may attack you, above all things, you keep worshiping the Lord. Build an altar where you are. Build an altar and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because I promise you, God's got something for you. I promise you, God's going to reward you. I promise you, God's going to help you. I promise you, God's going to reveal himself to you. There's more to God than you have yet to experience. So go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and give him honor. Go ahead and say, Lord, I'll build an altar. I'll dig a well. I'll plant seed because I know you're going to help me. You're going to work. You're going to move in the name of Jesus. Let's stand together. Let's worship the 